Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. A very special thank you to my new Patreon sponsors, Amanda and Tony and Thomas. Thank you so much for your kindness. If you'd like to sponsor me to keep the podcast going, visit patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. I want you to pause a moment. Remember going home. Remember when you left home, maybe it was to go to university, to college, to the armed services, maybe... Like me, you went to the police academy as a teenager. Maybe you travelled overseas as a backpacker. Remember going home. Maybe you moved into state for work. You married and raised a family in a town or city away from home. Perhaps you're someone who couldn't wait to leave home. Home may not have been home to you. Maybe you couldn't wait to leave to create your own home, somewhere you found the longing for home. Most of us, at some stage in our lives return home. Most of us will at some stage of our lives pull up on the street outside our old homes to maybe catch a glimpse of our former lives. The house might have changed and years have passed, but your memories are frozen in time, your time in that home. So many memories come to me when I think of home, mostly it's sights and sounds. It's the sound of my big sister practicing the piano, the smell of the incinerator in the backyard, Dad burning off clippings and lawn. The sound of my little brother's band rehearsing under the house. The sound of ceiling fans humming in a futile attempt to move air on a stifling 35-degree Queensland day. The smell and hiss as Mum pulled the roast out of the oven holding the tray in her apron. Or the quiet before the afternoon storms would wreak havoc before drifting off like a taxi that's delivered its passengers before driving off to look for another. Home drifts further away the older we get. And we look back over the bow of our new homes, places we've established ourselves. Home can sometimes be a place we don't want to remember, a place we'd rather forget. But you can't help remembering going home. When mum and dad downsized and moved to a small unit on the Gold Coast, they packed up our childhood home and offered all of us the chance to take what we wanted. And it was years later I walked into my big brother's house and saw a painting that had hung on the wall in our lounge room my whole young life. It was actually painted by my grandfather. It was a painting of the beach at Redcliffe, north of Brisbane, a place my grandfather's family had holidayed back in the 30s and 40s. First, I was delighted and surprised to see it. Secondly, I was happy to know it had found another home. And from time to time, someone, I'm sure, would look deep into the layers of paint to find a story a reflection, a narrative from decades ago. Here was a piece of my home hanging in my brother's home, and it took me home. I'm talking about home because I saw a quote in the window of a cafe this week, a quote from T.S. Eliot. Home is where one starts from. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago. The Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe, and the Pilgrim's destination, largely, is Santiago de Compostela, a shrine housing the remains of Christ's Apostle James. Santiago de Compostela translates as St. James under a field of stars. Pilgrims arrive in Santiago to the tune of the piper beneath the arch on the corner of the town square in front of the cathedral housing St. James's remains. It's said your Camino begins when you arrive in Santiago. The journey to your arrival has simply been preparing you for your journey home. 
and you take with you the lessons, the inspiration, the hardship, triumphs and challenges of the Camino. You take them home. And as T.S. Eliot said, home is where one starts from. I spoke with the American pilgrim Tom Bull back in late April, episode 274. Tom was preparing for the Camino. He hadn't walked it before. And he reached out to me to see if I'd be interested in doing a before and after episode. Well, here is the after episode. I'd never considered doing anything like this before, but jumped at the chance. And I'm so pleased I did. Tom Bull is home and his post-Camino journey has begun. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hello, Dan. And I have to say, you are an amazing storyteller. I loved hearing that bit about your home. That was great. (laughs) What comes to mind when I say to you, Buen Camino? Um, It makes me think of me actually walking the Camino. Um, I mean, you said it about 20 times a day, maybe 50. Um, We don't use it since I've been home. So it's kind of a transport to take me back to there. Yeah. You wrote to me to say the Camino was wonderful, harder than I thought at times, fulfilling, inspiring, emotional. And the last word in that sentence was necessary. Why was it necessary? Um, I felt like there was enough things going on in my life and enough things that I felt I needed to make a change for. Like I needed to do something and I wasn't sure exactly what it was, um, but I felt like something needed to change. And that's why I said it was necessary. It was necessary for me to kind of reassess where I am and make a plan for my future and be okay with it. You also said you felt you never had an aha moment and angels never appeared singing. So cast your mind back, Tom, and, and perhaps our last conversation might prompt you. How did your experience on the Camino contrast with your expectations? That's a loaded question. Um, only because, only because uh, of the breadth of it. Um, you know, I had, uh, I had expectations of, you know, maybe what most people hope and want. They want peace. They want camaraderie. They want um, to be introspective and they want to, um, I don't know, maybe be open to the message of the universe. You know, what, what, what am I, what am I trying to be? Where, where do I want to go? So I had these expectations of some type of enlightenment, uh, you know, at certain places or, you know, maybe small things, big things. Uh, and then the reality of some of it is, is I was definitely touched by things that happened. But if I, if I were to take a a list and say on the left side were my expectations and the right side were my reality. I don't think I could connect two lines together. I don't think I realized, I don't think I realized any of the, well, I mean, I got, I I got, I got the, the big thing out of it in my mind, which was to separate from my daily grind. Um, and to only have to worry about myself, which was, I keep telling people that since I've been home, that that part of what happened, and I wasn't expecting that, that that part that, that happened, that I was only having to worry about myself, get up, brush my own teeth, 
feed myself, put on my pack and walk, uh, is pretty freeing. So that, that part, uh, was an unexpected expectation, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was, uh, it, it was a great outcome that, that was good. But these other things that I, you know, I, I, I listened to other people, I watched other things and I was like, Oh, that sounds like a good expectation. Let me, let me jump on that. And I was thinking of all these things and, and it didn't, uh, it, it didn't pan out the way I thought. Tell us about nearing the end of the Camino and starting to feel a sense of panic that you maybe weren't achieving what you'd hoped you yeah. would. Yeah, there was a couple times like early, like maybe, I don't know, 10 days in or, or something. And I, I'm talking to my wife every day, usually around noontime, which was six o'clock back home. And um, she would she would call me. And then, you know, a couple of times she asked me, she said, so any, you know, do you have any revelations? Did anything happen? Did any bright lights appear or, you know, angels sing or anything like that? And I, you know, I was like, no, nothing like that. And do me a favor and uh, please don't ask me that anymore because I started to feel like it wasn't going to happen for me for some reason. I have no idea why. And as I, as I kept moving along and good things were happening, I was meeting nice people. I was staying in nice places. I saw beautiful things. Uh, I was in amazing churches and, and had some really great experiences, but there was, uh, uh, the sense of dread that I wasn't going to get out of it what I wanted. And I started to like panic that it wasn't going to come as uh, the closer I got to Santiago. Did you talk to other pilgrims about what you were feeling? Um, I think I did, yeah. With my, I, I picked up this, this lovely couple around day three, uh, really, really special people, Tammy and Pat. And um, I got close to them quickly, which happens on the Camino. And, um, you know, I expressed some of that to them. And, and like you, they were echoing kind of the things that you have said to me directly and, and on the podcast about, you know, temper your expectations. And, you know, often these things come days, weeks or months after you finish. Yeah. So that that's what I started to hang my hat on because I didn't feel like it was going to come to me while I was out there. Yeah. So this is the couple from Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. 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 But they had an impact on your journey too in another way, didn't they? That you kind of felt like you were racing out and you sort of felt like you really needed to take more time. Yeah. I mean, they were both like really fit uh, people and they had done all kinds of adventure things, triathlons and, and marathons. And, uh, and Pat uh, was a, he was a, a mountain hiker. I mean, like big things, like I can't remember the name. I want to say it wrong. Aconcagua. So I think in Argentina. And he was doing all of these big things. And uh, they were, uh, their pace was greater than I wanted. And, and that I felt that my body could, uh, could endure. Because I realized after a while, it's like, wow, when I, when I keep up with them at the end of the day, certain things hurt <laughs> that uh, didn't hurt yesterday yeah. and you know, might not hurt tomorrow. So I kind of, I, I don't want to say it distanced myself. I, you know, I would start uh, later than them or, you know, uh, as we got onto the journey, you know, we may start together and then I would kind of drift back and just slow down. So it took me a little while, probably about two weeks 
maybe not quite, but before I realized that I was, um, I was letting somebody else dictate my pace Mm -hmm. and I read that that's kind of a bad thing. Um, so I started to regain my own pace and, and really paying attention to things that, that I was never really good at. I, I, uh, I've never been a, uh, journey guy. I've always been a destination guy. So I was really paying attention to the things around me. And when I was by myself, I got more of that. I could see more, I could smell more, I could experience more. Yeah. You're probably a bit like me, Tom. I tend to keep to myself as a rule. So how did you approach mingling with other pilgrims and socializing when you were really on a very personal journey in a way? I, in the beginning, uh, I don't know why I felt this. I felt, I felt really uh, prepared and really strong in the beginning and, and I had this not a great thought that I was more prepared than other people. So uh, every time I approach somebody to like overtake them, not that I was walking super fast, but I would, I would overtake them and I would stop and I would say, Buen Camino, hello, just to see if they spoke English uh, or not. And then I, are you okay? And, you know, in the beginning, everybody's kind of struggling and, are you okay? Was kind of my watchword. And then, you know, we might talk for a minute or not. And then I would keep going. And then as time got on and we all kind of got our trail legs and we all were getting stronger and, uh, not suffering from beginners, you know, whatever, um, yeah. Difficulties that you have at the start. Yeah. Um, I started to engage some people a little bit more and met, you know, some great people and, you know, you can kind of sense when either you know, the, the conversation is um, uh, not difficult, but just not flowing. And then, uh, or they want to hang back or, or you want to keep going. So you just kind of read the room and, and, and figure it out and, and move on. So I, I, I met and walked with loads of people. And sometimes in the first five minutes, you're like, wow, this person's really awesome. I want to spend more time with them. Or, as you pointed out in, in a couple of episodes, I'm not sure I want to be friends with them or I ever want to be friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting how those dynamics evolve um, on the Camino and you find yourself in a situation where you think, gosh, this guy's driving me insane. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and you end up, you know, over the other side of the, uh, of the town square talking to other pilgrims and, and you can hear the person over the other side driving everybody else insane. That's <laughs> funny. But, yeah. Like if the, if the conversation turned political, you know, like if I was yeah. walking with somebody from the U S and the conversation got political, I, I didn't want any part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it, you know, something like that, I mean, it was an easy turn off. And then all my excuse was, Oh, I got to go you know, nature break, I'll catch up to you. Yeah. And, you know, and then that was that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the, the Camino is one place where you definitely do not want politics. You wrote to me to say you feel like the whole journey was like a good dream. You wake up remembering and then desperately try to go back to sleep to continue it. And you said, when that fails, you call upon your brain to recall what happened, but the ideas and events are like smoke that you can't touch and have no form. And you say, I, I'll go out walking long distances wearing the same clothes and listening to the same playlist to try and recapture the magic, but it never comes. Perhaps it's because it's simply you. You are the new experience, do you think? 
Perhaps it's just a new you, Tom. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just know, I just know that I didn't want it to be over. Like I told you, when I got like one tenth of a K closer to uh, closer to Santiago, that I immediately became my my. Mm, mm, I don't know. I changed my attitude. Changed because I was like, "Crap, this is almost over." <laughs> yeah, like, I'm halfway. I still have. 400 kilometers to go, but I'm, I'm already dreading the end of it. And then, you know, I, I would get wrapped up in that. Um, and then the fact that things I wasn't being, I wasn't feeling these enlightened moments and stuff. And so there was a, there was, you know, some time, I don't want to say they were dark. There's nothing like that. It just, um, it just it made me think things that I, you know, wouldn't normally you know, but I'm not normally walking a Camino either, so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I want to get to one of the challenges that you mentioned in our first discussion back in April um, in a minute. But there were a couple of stories that you made mention of in the in the email to me. Um, take us back to the Camino, Tom. Tell us about Joe from Texas and the missing pilgrim's passport. <laughs> this, is, this is funny, I guess depending on how warped your sense of humor is. So, <laughs> so there's, we're walking out of Molenaseca and we're walking through this town. We're leaving them. And, and if you remember that area, there were some really nice homes on the outskirts as you yeah. started to leave. And then you, you leave and then you, you come into this other uh, small town and there was a church like kind of on main street, let's say it was tiny. And so I go up to it, um, as I would, I probably went into 50 churches and I probably tried the doorknobs on a hundred and I went into half of them and I go in to pray and I come out and I see Joe and I'd met Joe before and he's from Texas and, um, he's deciding, um, about the priesthood and his pastor sent him on this journey, paid for it to help him decide what he wanted to do. So anyway, so I see him in there. Hey, Joe, what's up? And we both get our uh, passport stamped, and I leave and say goodbye. And then a couple minutes later, I hear beep, 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 and the car behind me, and it's the priest from the church, and he said, you left your passport. And I said, it's not my passport. It's Joe's, but I'm going to see him at the next cafe, so why don't you give it to me? Okay. So a couple more minutes later, beep, beep, beep again, and it's the priest with Joe in the car because Joe had gone back <laughs> looking for his passport. So he comes back, and as Joe's getting out of the priest's car, he is buckling his pants. And I go, Joe, what did you have to do to get this passport back? <laughs> like, what, what have you done? <laughs> it was just the goofiest optics Getting out of a priest's vehicle, buckling your pants, it's just, it was not a good look. It was, it, it was not a good, and I tell you, you have to have a warped sense of humor. <laughs> in the United States, we have a weird, you know, there's some weird things going on in the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. And to see that, to see that was, was oddly funny to me. Um, <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. Joe says, I know this looks bad, but I've been having trouble with this buckle, with these stupid <laughs> pants ever since I got them, you know, and I'm like, dude, it's just not a good look. <laughs> Tell us about the artist in the woods. Oh, this one's rough. This one's, uh, this is the most profound thing that happened to me, and I get emotional every time I talk about it. So, 
you know, there's coincidences, right? So, and then you're, you're, you convince yourself that you've been put in this place at this time for this reason. Um, but overnight, my sister had sent a text to all her siblings. So I have five sisters and a brother. And um, so I, I wake up to this text because she sent it when I was sleeping. And it was a video uh, about a preacher. Um, and he's talking about, I hope I get this right. Um, it's John 14, 2. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to God except through me. So it's I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's all that, that the guy was talking about. Uh, Jesus said, right? Yeah. So I, I reply back to my sister. I was like, wow, this is a great message for me to hear. Uh, I'm taking off in a couple of minutes. You know, love you. Talk to you later. So I put my pack on, and I leave, and leave the town. I don't remember where I was. Uh, it, uh, it might've, mm, I, I think it was after El Sobrero, but I, I am, I'm going into the woods and it was like, I, I say this to people that it, I was waiting to see little red riding hood or Prince charming or something because it had that quality to it. The yeah. woods looked yeah. very Disney, like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so, um, and I see this chapel, tiny tiny thing and um i mean literally like maybe 15 by 15 and it's got the crucifix and it's got the bell and it's got a chimney with smoke coming out of it and i'm like this is great i'm gonna go into this church into this chapel and it's a uh, it's raining a little bit i have my rain gear on pack cover on and everything and so i go to the side door and it's not a chapel at all it's an artist and this artist is British and he comes every year for three months and he paints and he paints watercolors. So they're, you know how watercolors are. They're not as, you know, defined yeah. and, you know, so, but it's an artist studio. So there's stuff everywhere, right? There's easels and paint and paintbrushes and, and paintings everywhere. They're on the floor, they're on the wall. And there's a card table with a bunch of postcards that he designed and there were stacks of postcards, all with these really nice designs. And I'm looking at them all. And, and then it hit me. I, every one of them had, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm like, wow. are you kidding me right now? I was like, wow. I just watched that less than 30 minutes ago. Wow. And so I was like, I was looking around dumbfounded. I'm with my friends, Tammy and Pat, and they're talking to him. And I'm just looking around going, oh, my God. This is nuts. And I start to look at the art and every picture, every painting, everywhere said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm really flabbergasted at this point, right? I'm, you know, I'm, my, my name is Thomas because doubting fits so nicely right in front of it. So I am, I am the guy that needs to stick his fingers in the nail hole and his hand in the side. Uh, that's just me. And, so I go over to the artist and I go, and this is where it's rough, Dan. I go over to the artist and I show him the video. And I go, I just got this from my sister. Isn't this amazing? And he's like, not really. We were expecting you. And I was like, what? You were expecting me? You, you know, like he, he wasn't phased by it. Like it seemed also natural that this message was meant to be given to me at that time and in that place. It was 
that was overwhelming. And you wrote to me to say you had no aha moments, that you you didn't hear angels singing. Gosh, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, you see, yeah, I guess you, I didn't. <laughs> you see, so take just just read the the passage from the Bible to me again. Just just say it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. But what he had was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That was his thing. In fact, so what he does, Dan, so I had to get, because it's getting later in the journey, and I'm looking at my the passport that I got in St. Jean, and I don't have enough squares left. I'm going to run out. Yeah. So I'm like planning which ones are going in there, because the last one is going to be the one in, in Santiago. Sure. So I have like a supplementary one and I take it out for him to stamp it and he proceeds to draw in it. So, and it's one of those ones, uh, it's different, you know, it doesn't have all the squares. It's a little more loosey. I don't know where they, where they come from. I don't know where I got it, but, um, they, so he starts to draw this drawing of a man hiking in the mountains and you could tell, it's just a, uh, I call it pen and ink. It's like from a, a very fine uh, magic marker. And he just draws a couple mountains and he draws a guy with some sticks. And then he proceeds to paint it with the watercolors. So I'm like, holy crap, this guy just painted in my passport, like a, a one of a kind, unique, you know, and this guy, I don't know if he'll huh. ever be famous, but, and then he stamps it underneath with his stamp that says, I am the way, the truth and the life. So that, that was a great moment. That's such a great story. That's amazing. Wow. Do you know exactly where it was, Tom? Do you recall? I, I want to say it was, um, it was definitely after Osobrero. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. It was before Saria. Um, right, in that part of the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I met my wife and, and Saria. Tell us about Nellie and Amanda Chisholm's 40 Elephants song. Okay. So <clears throat> when I'm making my Camino playlist... Uh, it's got, you know, it's got your song and it's got, it's got Amanda Chisholm's song. Cause I really like that. It's catchy. Yeah. yeah it's great. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so I listened to her whole story, which I thought was awesome. So day one, um, I'm coming out of St. John. I get up to Orison, um, and I wait there like a long time. I'm there a long time, like stupid long. I shouldn't have been there that long, like an hour. I'm reading my book. I'm having a tortilla. I'm drinking a beer. I'm taking pictures, talking to people. And then I, I take off after that and uh, I run into Nellie. And Nellie is a recent college grad from the United States. And um, she's telling me as we're walking together, and she's got nothing, by the way. Yeah. She's got no pilgrim's passport. She's got no guidebook. She's got no money. She's got, she's got a backpack. I mean, she just didn't get money. She has access to money. She just didn't have any honor. Um, she really had come from, she had come from France and she was spending time with some friends and she thought she was going to do this. She's trying to figure out what she's going to do, uh, and where she's going to do it. She's a teacher by her degree is in teaching and she wants to figure out where she's going to go do it. And as, as the day is evolving, she's, uh, she's telling me about home and about her siblings and about her parents and how they have a plan for her. She didn't want that plan. She didn't want to live in the town and, you know, where she grew up and, 
and, um, you know, teach at the school that she taught yeah, at and, yeah. and, and make babies. She didn't want to do that. And that, that was kind of the plan her parents had for her and she was fighting it. Um, and she was fighting it hard. And then I was like, Oh my God, that sounds just like Amanda Chisholm's song. You know, you got to go your own way. You have to, you know, do your own thing. And I go, I said, I think I was supposed to show you this. <laughs> yeah. I think you're supposed to hear this from me. So, you know, we played it, we walked along and I played the song for her and then I sent it to her and I really thought that she needed to hear that message and she heard it from me. Wow. There's another aha moment. <laughs> I just, yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's so great. Okay. It's so great. Now, what about Mrs. Keel's prayer card? Okay. Do you have prayer cards? You know what I mean by that? But we, we call them holy cards, I think. Okay, so you go to a wake or a funeral and you get the card. and It's got their picture on it and a prayer and their birth date and their, and their death date. Oh, okay. No, so you bring that. them home. You bring them home. Where's your stack of, of cards? Where are they? They're, they're somewhere. They're in your nightstand or they're, they're yeah. somewhere. Okay, right. So I got this idea at some point before I left that I was going to take them with me and I was going to dedicate – uh, certain days of my walk uh, to these people. And um, it was really arbitrary. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm decent friends with Mrs. Keel's son. And uh, he was very interested in my journey. He's a local, he walks around town and we see each other walking. And I told him I was going to do this. He goes to my church. So he was very interested. And so I, I take a picture of the card, you know, with this, you know, beautiful backgrounds in Northern Spain. And, and, um, and I write something about what a lovely lady Mrs. Keel was. And I sent it to, uh, to him. And I said, you know, thinking about your mom today and as I'm walking across Spain, blah, blah, blah. A couple of days later, weeks later, maybe I look back at it. And the day that I took the picture and the day that I sent it to him, was the fifth year anniversary of her death to the day. So it was like May 25th. I was, I was on day three of the Camino and her death date was May 25th, five years ago. And you had no idea. That, I had no idea. So I, then I started to look. So I started to look at my other cards. And so the ones that I had left, I probably brought 20 or so with me. And so the ones that I had left, I think there was three more where, um, uh, they were birthdays, not death days. Like I think one more death day and two more birthdays. So I made sure that I, I did something on that day. Um, but that was like, that blew me away. I was like, yeah. I, I, I had, you know, the, um, uh, the hip belt on, on your backpack. Yeah. And yeah. You might have, you might have those little pockets in there. Yeah, yeah. So in my left, po in my left pocket, I had all these prayer cards. I had rosary beads. I had all these medals that people were giving me saying Christopher and, and, you know, just everything. And, uh, and I just like pulled the stack out and I'm going through them like, Oh, Mrs. Keel. I love Mrs. Keel. Let me do this one. So it was totally arbitrary. And the fact that it landed on the day was just the, a Camino miracle. That is absolutely Weird. amazing. That is absolutely amazing. One, one last story. And I just, I'm just loving so much hearing about your experience, Tom. What about Thomas Rock? <laughs> This is kind of goofy, but so 
I thought that I would did a great job, a great job, Dan, of training. I trained for six months. People say, you don't have to train for six months. That's crazy. But I did. And I had the distances down pat. No problem. I was walking five miles a day. And on the weekend, I would bang out two tens or two fifteens or whatever. So I, I had plenty of, t- of uh, distance training. Yeah. I had done very little, not enough hill training. So either up or down. So uh, we're... It's not in the beginning. Um, it is because uh, Molinaseca, I remember, was a lot of down. There was a, there was a couple spots where there was a lot of up. I guess going towards Osobrero again, maybe. Yeah. Where that was getting rough, and I'm mouth breathing like I'm at the gym on the stairmaster, <laughs> you know, going up the thing, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not having fun. This yeah, is not yeah. fun. No, it's hard work. And yeah. my and my friends, Tammy and Pat are going up like it's, you know, they, they do it every day. So they were conditioned for it. So I'm like lagging behind, I'm heavy breathing, I'm sweating. And I'm like, I need to slow down. I need to change my, um, take shorter steps and only nose breathe. So I was going at the right pace. So anyway, so I was like really struggling and I'm like, I have to stop and I'm going to pretend that I'm stopping because I need to take a layer of clothes off. But what I really need to do is catch my breath. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, so I, I, you know, and you're looking by the side, you're looking for a place to stop, to put the pack down, to maybe sit and take your shoes off. And there, there's not always a place like that. And where I was, there just happened to be this place and it was up on the left. And I, and I go up there and I, I take the pack off and I, I set it down and I, I'm looking down because I'm unzipping my jacket and there's a rock down there and you know there's lots of rocks that people write inspirational things on yeah and i look down and it says keep going thomas and i'm like again one of these moments where i'm looking around i was like did anybody see that did anybody did somebody just put that there because i'm thomas who put that there (laughs) and there's of course there's nobody around and, and it's not like I was going to stop, but it was a, a, an amazing message to receive at that time because I was struggling. And, and it said, keep going, Thomas. And I'm just like, wow. Because what it really said, when you looked at it, I took a picture. It said, keep going. And then it was kind of signed, Thomas. You know what I mean? It didn't say, keep going, Thomas. It said, keep going, signed, Thomas. So Thomas put the rock there. And uh, I'm grateful for him. Well, I that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. These are aha moments, Tom. You wrote to me and said, I'm still processing the whole journey, but that's some of my thoughts about the experience. But you wrote to say, my biggest takeaway was that the Camino was not about what I was undertaking along the way, but what I wasn't doing back home. And that is working, mm. worrying, planning, and rushing. And one of the key challenges mm. that you pointed out in our first interview was having the courage to walk away from your business and trusting your staff to carry on in your absence. How did they go? I can't say enough good things about what happened. And, and I hope that it has something to do with uh, my planning, my trying to motivate them, but I know that a lot of it is them. So I, I put uh, some responsibilities on people that were 
probably more than they were comfortable handling, but they rose. They 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 rose to the occasion, and and they did. I, I couldn't be more proud because I come back, and the place has not burned down. Like I told you, I was worried yeah. that the you know it was still standing. They they breathed. They all breathed a sigh of relief. Uh, in fact, the Friday uh, before I was about to return, I was going to return on Monday. So the Friday, they all go out for a drink, you know, to kind of celebrate that I'm coming back. And there was this collective sigh that, you know, he's back and we don't have to worry about this anymore. And I came back and I was like, you know, you guys did amazing. I can't even believe how good things were. Um, but don't don't breathe this sigh of relief because I'm here. Breathe the sigh of relief because you did it. Oh, good for you. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not about me coming back. It's about you accomplishing all of these cool things. And so the three people that I thought were going to do uh that I had hoped were going to do really well did really well. And uh many of the others just kind of stayed pat because they that's just their personality. They're they're uh they're steady eddies and and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, because if it wasn't for steady eddies, then the people who do a little extra wouldn't look special. So, um, yeah, I, I overall, uh, couldn't be any happier. I knew, I knew because I'm the head sales person that I knew revenue was going to suffer, but I was ready for that. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, Great. um, it really was a win. And, and I said this to you, uh, in our first interview that I was handing out, uh, a lot of tasks and I didn't want to take them all back. And as a result, I haven't been able, or I didn't take them all back. I've been back uh, a month now, four weeks now. And I'm focusing on the more important things of working on my business instead of working in it. And uh, doing the sales functions that need to happen. Uh, and it's just been delightful. It's been, it's been really good. It worked out way better than I thought. That's so great. I'm so pleased for you, Tom. I'm so pleased for you because I know that would have weighed heavily on your mind and yeah, and yeah, having sure. having achieved that is really a significant thing for someone who is is probably feels as if you are the business. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all? I mean, yeah. the business that you own, you you birthed this thing and yeah. you, you raised it and you taught it how to ride a bike and you know all these yeah. things and you, you wanted to do well sure yeah in that same email you wrote i went in all the churches that were open you mentioned it before you even tried doors that weren't open and you said i prayed often and became emotional yeah. a few times some for no reason that was obvious and you added rocks to cans when you came upon them and said prayers at the memorials of dead pilgrims along the way Cast your mind back now. You, you're sitting in your back garden there in New Haven in New Jersey and cast your mind back to, to one of those churches. And, and, and what do you think? What, what, what comes to mind of when you're in those churches, when you're sitting on your own? What was it you wanted, do you think? What was it you were praying for? So I kind of always pray for the same things. Um, and it becomes a, uh, a repetition um, a chant or, you know, you, where you get into some kind of meditative yeah. state. But I, I make sure that I say certain things. I, I pray certain prayers. I, I talk about certain people and about certain things. And I do it in every place that I go. 
And, and this was no different. I mean, there, there was one in Pamplona, um, we, Tammy, um, found that there was, uh, like a tour that started at, I'll call it city hall. Um, and they would take you around Pamplona. So they, they kind of take us around and they show us the well where, uh, the first Christian that was baptized, uh, happened in 300 AD uh-huh. at this well in Pamplona, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then they took us, they took us into, you know, they took us into the cathedral and then they took us into this, this chapel. Um, and there was a new guide. She was a young girl and, and she was trying to, you know, she was following the papers of, of previous guides and she was practicing. It was, I think it was her first time. And she's going through everything and telling us about the timing. And, you know, this church is from 300 AD and this is from 600 AD and, and all this stuff. And we come into this tiny chapel. I wish I knew the name of it. I, I have to look back at it. And they had a, a listing of what they were calling the Pilgrim Beatitudes. And the, she, the, the leader was telling us that the even one she wanted read by those who could read Spanish and then the odd ones read by those who could read English. And there was like some, there was like I was sitting next to me, there was these two women from the UK. And then of course, Tammy and Pat were there. And there was this other couple actually from New Jersey that, that were there. And then a bunch of Spaniards and, and maybe others. And we're going through it and I couldn't read it. I was so overcome because I'm a pilgrim. And this was meant for me. And it was hard for me. I couldn't even, I couldn't even read it. Um, I took a picture of it. I sent it to my parish priest. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I said, I've, I've rarely been speechless in my life. And this made me speechless. Wow. Golly, what a story. That's absolutely amazing. Tom, it's just been so delightful talking to you. I'm not finished with you yet, but just so many, <laughs> I mean, I mean, so many aha moments. It's so funny. I, I guess, I guess, you know, you, you can't see the, the, the forest. What do they say? You can't see the wood for the trees or whatever that saying is, you know? Sure. The forest through the trees. So yeah. like, but for me, I'm like, I'm waiting for, and maybe this is super selfish and that's, probably why it's not happening. I'm like, I'm looking for an aha moment for me. There's, there's been, there's been other moments for others that, you know, I feel like it affected other people more than me. Like, you know, all of a sudden, am I more patient? Am I more loving? Am I more giving? Am I more, you know, um, if something happened to me, uh, to make me a better person, um, or to make me be better to others, uh, I'm not sure I saw that. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I'm talking about, I think. Yeah, yeah. The aha moment. Tell us about Sahun and uh, a, a little – you were lucky enough to capture a little bit of history and culture of Spain. Yeah, I, I have to tell you a little pre-story to get up to this. So leading into, into town, uh, I'm by myself and I come across this uh, pilgrim woman from France and, uh, I mean, my Spanish is okay. Her Spanish was less than okay. And she spoke French with no English and I spoke English with no French. So for an hour we walked and we were trying to communicate and, and we were laughing, belly laughing out loud because we couldn't tell anybody anything. And, but she did manage to tell me 
that the town I was going to, Sahugan, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think Sahun is how you, I've always called Sahun, it Sahun. Sahun, Sahun, Sahun. You Sahun. call it whatever you like. So going to Sahun, she says, there's a <laughs> festival and there's going to be bulls in the street. And I'm trying to tell her my last name is Bull and I have a tattoo of a bull on my arm. So I show her my arm and she's like, oh my God, that's it. Or she's like laughing. And so I'm like, okay, great. So there's going to be a festival. So we get into town and we realize it's a mini running of the bulls. So they have the barricades up and they have all these parades and different colored uh, groups of people and they're playing music. And, and then uh, as time goes on, they release these six bulls and uh, they chase these people up the street. And there was nobody in danger. My grandmother could have been out there and she would have been fine. But they, they, they run up. It's not like Pamplona. And they run up and they basically run into, um, into the stadium, into the arena. And, and that was kind of it. And so we, we went back to, we went out to eat and got up and, and walked our, you know, 20 K or 22 K to the next place. And there was no accommodation for us in that village. So they picked us up in a taxi and brought us back to the place that we stayed the night before, which we knew in advance. They knew they had no place for us. So we go all the way back, come to find out that there's a bullfight that very night. Wow. With those bulls that um, that had run through the street the night before, so uh, we get all set and it's really hot, really really hot. Like I don't know in Celsius, but it was it had to be ninety degrees um, Fahrenheit, so it was up there. And um, we go into this had to be I don't know how old that arena is. It's hundreds of years old yeah. probably, and just the the pageantry and the respect and the the pomp and circumstance of the whole thing was really something to behold and um not a you know i saw it i witnessed it i fights uh and watched the matador slay the bull both times and didn't didn't love it um but i was glad that i saw it um and one very funny aside is you know how the matadors wear those really fancy form-fitting outfits, you know, yeah. sequel, yeah. shiny and everything. And so <laughs> Tammy, the lady that I'm traveling with, when we go back to the accommodation, the host, hostess there, uh, Tammy's explaining that this guy had a really nice butt in, in his <laughs> matador uniform. And the hostess says, yeah, we say that he has really nice pockets. <laughs> and so, so I brought that home to America that, oh, wow, I'll say that that woman has really nice pockets. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. So it was good to experience it. Um, a very important part of the Spanish culture. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a really unique experience. Give me one word to describe the Camino, Tom. I, uh, I've been struggling with this because people ask me, I want to hear all about it. I'm like, that's not possible. You don't have enough time um, <laughs> to hear all about it. Um, so, so the best word, um, profound, because I, I almost had to whip out my thesaurus to look up, uh, you know, better adjectives for amazing. Um, it was inspiring. It was, um, it was thought provoking. It was hard. It, it was so many things. I'm just like, it, it's, it's affected me 
It affected me in ways that I can't describe and I can't explain. And, and sometimes, you know, when I'm explaining it to people, I'm not embarrassed to, to talk about it, but you know, there's things that are just, it's too personal, maybe. Um, yeah. 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 Why not keep something for yourself anyway? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So what would you say, Tom, to someone thinking of walking the Camino? Um, you should go, but only if I can go with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, when I, when I talk about it, when I explain it to people and I explain that you can, you know, you can start at the beginning, you know, if we're talking about Frances, you can start at the beginning and do a week this year and a week next year, et cetera. Or you can start in Saria and do, you know, and, and finish, or you can go back, you know, do two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want. Um, but it seems like to really get, uh, and I, I can't be an authority on this cause I haven't done it any other way, but it seems like to, to, to Mary Beth, my wife didn't get, uh, out of it what I did because she only walked for a week or five days. Yeah. So she didn't, she didn't get the, the same thing. I mean, she got a lot of, uh, of the goodness out of it, but not the really deep stuff. And um, I, I would say that for, for anyone that is in transition, anyone that is longing for um, something that they can't describe, um, I think that when you're left to your, um, to your own thoughts, when, and I thought about you all the time, man, when that I was hearing the crunching under my feet. I just kept thinking of you because that's, you talk about that all the time that you, that the rhythmic uh, crunching of the, the, of your shoes and, and it takes you away and it, it, and you can think about things and, and maybe even uh, come up with new ideas or, or resolve things or, you know, finally settle uh, things in your mind or in your heart. Um, and, and that part of it is great. And, and the fact that you get to eat and drink in between all of that is, is even more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I had forgotten a lunch in Saria. I had an afternoon sleep and, and staying at the monastery there or the, the, uh, the seminary, I think it's called. And yeah. I came down the hill there. And there's a cafe with a guitar on the wall and and I had met some pilgrims a couple of days before and they were having lunch and they said, Dan, Dan, join us for lunch. And I had totally forgotten all about it. Uh, and it just drifted into my mind the other day because the guitar that you play, it's up hanging on the wall. It's pink. The guitar is pink. And <laughs> and it has written on it, play me, written on the front in, in sort of n- Nico Pan, you know, and... <laughs> and I saw a guitar, a pink guitar, and I, I had forgotten totally about that lunch. Just it was just a three or four hours sitting in the sun, um, playing songs on the guitar and whiling away this beautiful Spanish afternoon. And and those sometimes memories come drifting back, and and it might be the crunching of the road under your feet, or perhaps the darkness and the cool of a church, or maybe it's a song from your playlist, or. Well, maybe it's the smell of, of, of home-cooked meal. Something will take you back. And what a blessing it is to be able to go back because it's something that you've done. It's something that you've undertaken. It's a risk you've taken. It's, 
And you've done all of those things, Tom. You, you may not have experienced many aha moments, as you said, but you've certainly provided plenty of those aha moments for me and my listeners. Thank you, Tom, for suggesting the two-parter. This was all your idea. And I'm so pleased we were <laughs> able to make it happen. And you've been so honest and open. And it's to your great credit that you've opened your heart for all of us to share in your journey. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, Tom. And on behalf of all my listeners and of, of me, Buen Camino. Really grateful for you, Dan. Buen Camino right back at you. My guest this week was the American pilgrim Tom Bull, who featured in a pre-Camino interview back in episode 274 on April 24. Crikey, episode 274? That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll put a link to Tom's Camino blog in the episode's show notes as well. Hey, thanks for your company this week and every week, and a very special thank you to my new Patreon sponsors, Amanda and Tony and Thomas. Thank you so much for your kindness. If you'd like to sponsor me, keep the podcast going, visit patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. T.S. Eliot said, home is where one starts from. So many meanings and interpretations in those six words, home is where one starts from. Good luck on your journey. Accept my best wishes as you reflect on what home means to you in the past, today, and in the future. Home is where one starts from. I'll be back next week with another episode of My Camino, the podcast. In the meantime, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, someone